Welcome to Rooftop Church. This podcast is part of our Sunday sermon series, where each week we dive into the Word of God and the powerful message of Christ. Heaven. You know, one place that I thought of, even long for the most, these past nine months in 2020 was heaven. Now, I'm not saying that this is the only place that I thought of because then I would be lying. You know, like maybe some of you or many of you, if not all of you, you know, we've researched, we've Googled, maybe we YouTube of all the places that we would love to travel to, right, and visit and, and, and check out. But due to the pandemic, you know, that's been placed on a hold. I don't know, do you relate with me? I know I do that time to time when I'm at home. And I'm like thinking of all the places that I would eat at, you know, if I were able to travel to that country or to that place around the world. Although I would love to travel and although I would love to visit those places, I can definitely say that again, the place that I thought of and even longed for the most was heaven. You know, to say the least, 2020 has been quite a challenging in a crazy year for many of us, if not all of us. You know, not to take away from, you know, some of the good things that took place in our lives in the year 2020. I think many of us can agree that 2020 has been full of so many uncertainties, frustrations, despair, pain, loss, hardships, and so much more. Just to name a few, I know we're really familiar with what has happened, what has taken place in 2020. You know, just to name a few, we're hit with COVID-19, the pandemic. So many lives have been affected, both young and old, health-wise, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, relationally, financially. People have lost their jobs. People have lost their businesses. Some have lost their livelihood. Some have even lost their lives due to the pandemic and lost loved ones as well. We saw social injustices that still exist today. We also saw social unrest that was taking place in our whole nation and even in the world. We saw political drama. We saw a divided nation. And I might go as far to even say even a divided church. You know, seeing, reading, hearing about all those things that were taking place in the year 2020, it caused me to feel a lot of anger, a lot of frustration, a lot of despair, but even more so, a lot of grief. And I remember one day I was at home, and I was really uh, hit with grief. I was grieving in my soul, you know, feeling a lot of sadness, feeling a lot of sorrow thinking about everything that was going on in 2020, seeing how lives have been impacted and affected by, you know, COVID-19 and everything that was going on in our nation. And I remember as I was grieving, God came by and He reminded me of something. He reminded me of the hope that we have, the hope which the Bible calls a living hope. And this living hope is a reminder that this is not our home. This is not our final destination. But that there will come a day when God will redeem, where God will restore all of his creation, 
Well, he, he will create a new heaven and a new earth, making all things new. And that there will come a day when God will dwell with his people, wiping away every tear. And when there will no longer be any sickness, any pain, any death, any mourning, any injustices, any sin, and any evil. And at that moment, I remember my grief started to turn into gratitude. Gratitude for the hope that entered into this world the moment that Jesus was conceived and born. You know, as I was contemplating, I want to share this Christmas Sunday. I started to ask the question, what is the message of Christmas? What is the message of Christmas? And as I was contemplating and asking that question, one word kept popping in my mind and ringing in my mind, and it was the word hope. The message of Christmas is the message of hope. And this message of hope is Jesus Christ. Hence, I've entitled you know, today's message, Jesus, the Hope of Christmas. You know, in our passage today, we read about the account of Jesus' conception and his birth. Um, but more specifically, we read about the account of Joseph's interaction with the angel of the Lord regarding Jesus' conception and his birth. You know, we read in the opening verse, in verse 18 of our passage, that Mary at this time is betrothed to Joseph, meaning that they were engaged. But we have to understand that engagement back then was very different to how we understand engagement today. You see, in their time, when Joseph and Mary engaged, it was equivalent to them being married. They were at that moment considered to be husband and wife. And the only way that this engagement can be broken is in two ways. One is with the writ of divorce, and the second is with the death. If one of them dies, then you know, that's the only way it can be broken. So if you think about it, it's very different from how we understand engagement today. Another difference is this. Although they were considered married, although they were considered husband and wife, they waited one whole year before they came together and consummated their marriage, meaning sex, right, um, and lived together as husband and wife. You know, if you think about it, that, that's quite a long time, one year of waiting, right? I remember when, um, you know, before I got married, I remember hearing of ministry couples giving of their wedding night to God, meaning that on their wedding night, rather than consummating their marriage, you know, with sex, they spent time praying, they spent time thanking God and committing their marriage to Him. And I remember at the time hearing of that, I was like, oh, dude, that's so admirable. So admirable to the point that I actually considered doing this with Deb as we were preparing to get married. But it didn't take me long to scratch that idea out, right? <laughs> I told God, I was like, God, I waited 30 years to experience this, what they call lovemaking sex. So I remember telling God, God, I'll thank you and I'll praise you before and after. 
So that night, on wedding night, we decided, hey, we're going to consummate our marriage in a very fancy hotel, thanks to my brother, in Hollywood. <laughs> and I was going to tell you, uh, I was going to share the name of the hotel, but once Dev found out what I was going to share, she said no, that that's too cringy, or that's too cringe, right? TMI. So for your sake, I'm leaving that info, off, info out. I'm, you know, you can thank Dev for that, and I'm, I'm saving you the kind of cringe, I guess, right? But coming back to our message, coming back to our passage today, as we continue reading in the opening verse, verse 18, we see that it was in this waiting period, the one year, where Mary is found to be pregnant. And to Joseph, this is obviously a shocking news because, again, they haven't had physical relations during this time. So the only logical thought or implication that Joseph had was Mary was unfaithful, that this child inside of her is probably another man's child. You know, I would imagine this situation being very difficult for both Mary and Joseph. You know, we think about it. Mary knows that she's been faithful to the man she loves. But to think about explaining this situation to Joseph, her husband, without him thinking that, dude, she might be a little bit crazy, it probably was quite challenging and difficult for Mary. And on the other side, for Joseph, the woman he loved, the woman he was married to, being unfaithful to him and being, being pregnant with another man's child, it was probably heartbreaking for him. So after finding out the news, you know, Joseph contemplated on what to do. And after much reflection, we see that he planned to divorce Mary. And there are two ways he could have gone, uh, gone about, you know, divorcing Mary. One is divorcing her publicly, and second is divorcing her privately. Divorcing her publicly in front of the whole town would bring much shame and disgrace to Mary. It may even result possibly in the death of Mary by stoning due to her infidelity. But if he were to divorce her privately, all he would need to provide is a writ of divorce in the presence of two witnesses. So we find out later what, that Joseph, after reflecting, contemplating on this, and not wanting to bring shame and disgrace to Mary, he plans to divorce Mary privately, or it says in that scripture, quietly. But when Joseph had considered this, we read in verse 21, it says this. It says, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. The first thing that popped into my mind was, man, this is like a Maury Povich show, right? Here's an angel of the Lord coming, revealing to Joseph, saying, you are not the father. But the twist here is this, nor was any other man the father of this child. Rather, this child was conceived of the Holy Spirit. So at this time, the angel of the Lord is letting Joseph know, hey, this conception is not a result of Mary's unfaithfulness. Rather, this conception was a result of divine will, an act done by God through the Holy Spirit. This was no ordinary conception. This was a divine conception. How this happened, 
what took place, we may never fully know or comprehend. But one thing that this affirms in, in our theology as Christians is that Jesus was fully man and that he was fully God. You know, as we continue on in the narrative, we see that the conception and birth of Jesus, it actually took place to fulfill a prophecy made by prophet Isaiah, which is found in Isaiah 7:14, that he made over 700 years prior to this moment. You know, we see Matthew writes in verses 22 and 23 in our passage, he says this, he says, now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, again, prophet Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. You know, God would literally and physically be there with them in the person of Jesus. Therefore, they, not in reference to Joseph and Mary, but they referring to people all around, people would call him Emmanuel, saying, God with us. So Joseph and Mary and the divine conception of Jesus we see here were all part of God's divine will and plan. You know, one thing to note here, church, is this. You know, sometimes we're in situations, we're in circumstances that we may not fully comprehend and understand. But we can't be too quick to write them all off because at that very moment, who knows, we may actually be in the very perfect will and plan of God. Again, here, Mary and Joseph were in a situation they probably couldn't fully comprehend, right? But in spite of that, they were in the perfect will and plan of God. You know, apart from just fulfilling this prophecy, right, made by Isaiah over again 700 years ago, the question is, why did Jesus come down here on earth? Why was Jesus born into this world in the flesh? And the answer is found in his name. In verse 21, it says that the angel Lord tells Joseph this. He says, she, Mary, will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. Are you ready, church? Here comes the message of Christmas. Here comes the message of hope. Angel of the Lord tells Joseph, she will bear a son, and you should call his name Jesus. Why? Check this out. For he will save his people from their sins. I'll read that again. For he will save his people from their sins. Amen. Church, if that's good news to you, can you just indicate that by saying or shouting a hallelujah? You can write it in there, right? Raise the roof or praise God. Thank you, Lord. You can do a modicon of raising the roof, right? Share that in the chat box and just, you know, proclaim just how good this news is for all of us. You know, church, this is the message of Christmas. This is the message of hope. And the message of hope is this, is that Jesus Christ came to save us from our sins. Amen, church. Jesus, the hope of Christmas. You see, we who were once in darkness have now been brought into the light. We who were once lost have now been found. We who were once hopeless have found hope. 
And we who were once separated from the Father because of sin in our lives have now been reconciled to him through Jesus Christ. And we who were once condemned to die in our sin and face the penalty of our sin have now found salvation in the person of Jesus Christ. When Jesus came into the world, hope came with him. And so scripture tells us, we no longer need to fear the penalty of sin, which Romans 6.23 says that penalty of sin or the wages of sin is death. And this death that God is referring to is spiritual death, which is the conscious, eternal separation from the heavenly Father in hell. But you see, you know, Scripture tells us now the fear and sting of death is now powerless. Why? For in Christ, you and I can be forgiven and saved from our sins. See, God came to dwell in the person of Jesus Christ among us so that you and I, so that we can dwell with him in his presence for all eternity, where again he will wipe away every tear, where there will no longer be any sickness, any pain, any death, any mourning, any sin, any evil. And in Christ, we have this living hope of being again in the presence of a loving God for eternity. Church, God wants us to be with him. For he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Is this not good news, church? You know, this may sound a little bit or maybe borderline blasphemous, but I can, in my imagination, not in scripture, but in my imagination, I can picture God in heaven right now blasting through his heavenly speakers the song by Mariah Carey, All I want for Christmas is you, ooh, baby. I don't know if he was going to say, ooh, baby, but I can just imagine that, right? He's saying, all I want for Christmas is you. You know, church, there's one thing that we can do for God during this Christmas season, and it's this. Set apart time to spend with him. Spend time talking with him. Spend time listening to him. Spend time praising him. Spend time thanking him, maybe even reflecting on him. Just simply spend time with him. Let's look at, again, what Christ has done for you and me to be with us. Is it too much for us, church, to give time to God where we can spend with him? You know, before I conclude, yeah, I said before I conclude, we're coming to a close, church. Before I conclude, I do want to point out a promise found in our passage today that's still relevant to us. And that promise is this, is that God is Emmanuel, meaning what? God is with us. Like I said before, God was literally and physically present with them in the person of Jesus Christ. So this applied to them right at that moment. But Scripture also tells us God is still present with us now, here today, in the person of the Holy Spirit. 
know, if you read Matthew, it's interesting what Matthew writes in the first chapter, what we looked at today, chapter 1, in the Gospel of Matthew, as well as what he writes and how he concludes the Gospel of Matthew in the last chapter. Again, in today's passage, in verse 23, we read what? That God is Emmanuel, that God is with us. Anyone know how Matthew concludes or closes this gospel? He closes in Matthew 28, verse 20, literally the last verse and the sentence found in the gospel of Matthew. He says this, and he shares what Jesus is saying to his disciples and to his people. Jesus is saying this, and be sure of this. He says, be sure of this. He says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Again, Matthew starts off in chapter 1 saying, God is Emmanuel, God is with us, and he concludes the gospel of Matthew saying, saying uh, or writing out what Jesus told his disciples, people saying, I am with you always, even to the end of age. Church, God is with us today, and God will forever be with us. You know, again, 2020 was full of so many uncertainties and challenges. And although you and I, we may hope for better in 2021, you know what? There's no actual guarantee that 2021 will be free of other tribulations, other trials, other hardships, other pains and loss, and even other uncertainties. There's no guarantee of that. But one thing we can be certain of and that we can find comfort in is the promise that God is Emmanuel, that God is with you, that God is with me, that God is with us now today and he will forever be with us. You know, I like what Pastor Rick Warren from Saddleback Church has said once. He said this. He said, when he is near, there is no need to fear. He says, when he, when God is near, there is no need to fear. Church, in moments of despair, he's with you. In moments of pain, he's with you. In moments of fear, in moments of worry, he's there. He's with you. Church, even in moments of our failures, he's there with us. And especially in moments again when the devil comes trying to use all our outside circumstances to challenge and to attack our faith in Jesus Christ and God the Father, he's there with us. You know, one thing that I've come to appreciate even more is how I'm able to go to God at any moment and any time, especially moments when I'm really low when I'm struggling, when I'm maybe lost and I'm feeling confused, I'm feeling exhausted and tired because of the circumstances uh, that I face. And I've come to really appreciate that God being with me means that I can go to Him at any time. I can let Him know when I'm struggling. say, God, I'm struggling with this. God, I'm feeling really discouraged. I'm feeling really hopeless. God, I'm so lost. I don't know what to do, God. At times, I even go to him and I vent to him, right? There's something, there's something powerful about venting to somebody, right? You got something heavy on your chest, and you let it out, and you share it with somebody you trust and you care, and for some reason, you feel like this burden has been lifted off your chest. Well, God is there to hear our venting as well. God is with us. 
We have this relationship. We have access to the Father because, again, what Jesus Christ has done for us, we have total access to God the Father to go to Him, to rely upon Him. And when we do in Him, church, we can find comfort. We can find strength. We can find peace. We can find wisdom. We can even find joy. We can find reassurance, again, of His love for us. So I encourage you, church, go to Him. Go to Him. What season are you in right now? What season are you in today? What season have you been in for these past nine months of, of, of quarantine? He's there with us. He's there with you. Go to Him. And church, I conclude with this. Find comfort. Find strength. And find hope in the promise of God, again, that He is Emmanuel, that God is with us, and He will always be with us. Amen, church. A lot of good news from Scripture today. Again, Jesus, the hope of Christmas. Why? Because He came to save you and me from our sins, to reconcile us to the Father and to give us a living hope to look forward to the day when we will see him face to face, where he'll wipe away every tear, where there will be no more sickness, mourning, death, pain, sin, or evil, but we will be in the very presence of our loving God. Not only that, but the good news that what? God is Emmanuel, that God is with us. We don't have to wait for later to be in the presence of God. Rather, we know that he's here with us today, and we can go to him. Remember, God is Emmanuel. God is with us. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for giving us the reason to celebrate, to rejoice this season, not only this Christmas season, but every day, every moment of our lives, God. In light, in the midst of everything that has gone on in our lives and around this world these past nine months, God, in the year 2020. God, we thank you that even in the midst of everything, you give us a reason to rejoice, to celebrate, and to find strength and hope in, God. God, we thank you for sending your one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to be born into this world so that he can give of his life for us and save us from our sins. And because of that, now we have a living hope that there will come that day when we will be with you. And God, we thank you as well that you are Emmanuel, that you're God who is with us today, even at this very moment, and you're God who will always be with us. We thank you, Lord, that we can find comfort in you, we can find strength in you. We give you glory, we give you praise in Jesus' name we pray.